0: Let's open our Bibles this evening to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Tonight we plan on taking a vote for formalizing our partnership with Marcus and Jennifer Reyes and their family in Orizaba, Mexico. And I really have a burden that we will be able to, in truth, tell them that our financial support is but a token of our regular prayers for them. I know that that is what Marcus would say if he were here. Um, he He would definitely say that above all else, he covets our prayers for him. And that's why I want to spend a few minutes introducing you to the Reyes family and their ministry so that we can, with, a, with better, more informed minds, pray for them. And that's why I want to come here to Ephesians 6 and these verses right after the passage about the armor of God and to think together about how to pray for preaching, how to pray for for preaching, Let's begin our reading at verse 10 and read down through verse 20. Ephesians 6, verse 10. This is the word of God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, to speak. Amen. So there, right after the armor of God passage, and we're told that as we take all of these elements of the armor of God, we're to take them praying. That praying always covers all of that taking of the armor. There's no period at the end of verse 17. The praying always covers it all. They must be taken up prayerfully, Paul gets specific. He's not content with vague generalities. He wants them to pray for him specifically. To remember that he is, verse 20, an ambassador in bonds. He's an ambassador. And right now he is writing to them from imprisonment. And we spoke about that imprisonment this morning in Sunday school at the end of the book of Acts. It's a house arrest. Um, He has his own hired house. There's a soldier assigned to him. He can't leave the house, but he's able to receive visitors. And we read about the visitors that he received on several occasions there at the end of the book of Acts. Luke ends his history with the gospel of the kingdom being preached and no man forbidding him. Um, So those were his circumstances. It wasn't some sort of pit that he was in in chains or something literally, um, but he was under house arrest and he was there for two years waiting his trial with the Roman Caesar. But all the time he knows that he is an ambassador in that situation. You see, when he asks for prayer from the Ephesian church, he's not asking for his, for his case to be won. He's not asking for his lawyers and he's not asking for you know, the uh, Alliance for Defending Freedom to make up a good argument to get him out of this, and that kind of stuff. He sees himself as an ambassador. An ambassador is someone who represents an authority, represents them with dignity, knows what their mission is, and Paul hasn't lost, lost sight of that mission. He is an ambassador of the Lord Jesus. Though he is in bonds, still he is there to preach. And he wants the believers in Ephesus to pray for him as he preaches. So praying for preaching, three requests that we can make for preachers. Three requests that we can regularly make for Marcus Reyes, specifically, as we begin to partner with him in a formal way. In verse 19, you first of all see that he prays for utterance. And for me... That utterance may be given unto me. That word utterance is the very common Greek word lagos. It means a word. He wants the Lord to give him a word. He wants them to pray regarding the content of the message. Pray for a message pray for a message. That's the first thing that he's asking for. That's an interesting request from the Apostle Paul, of all people. I mean, doesn't he already know the gospel? Doesn't he know the Bible more than any of us? He's forgotten more about the Bible than any of us know. Why does he need to pray for a message? And why would he, the apostle, ask the churches to pray that God would give him a word, God would give him a message? It's because he was absolutely dependent on the Holy Spirit to give him what needed to be said. He was asking them to pray for the right message for the right time. And you know that there is a difference between a sermon and a message. A sermon can be very biblical, it can be true, it can be Bible from one end to the other, but not be the message from the Lord for those people at that time. There's a difference between just preaching the truth and preaching God's message. The man of God must be sensitive to what message God would have him to give to a particular people at a particular time. We don't gather here to merely be informed. We don't gather here just to learn something new, Lord's Day, by Lord's Day. Your ministers must be more than talking heads that give biblical lectures on religious topics. We gather here to hear from God. A minister is the mouthpiece of God, and he's responsible to deliver the right message at the right time. And he is dependent on the Holy Spirit for this. He's dependent on the Holy Spirit for this in two facets of his preaching ministry. In the preparation... And in the delivery, he's seeking the Lord as he anticipates the coming time for giving the message. And then he's also dependent on the Lord in the actual delivering of the message. So pray for utterance to be given to me as I prepare and as I deliver it. Pray for a word from God, pray for a message. The second thing he prays for in verse 19. Praying for utterance, praying for a message. And then he prays at the end of the verse. We're going to skip the middle phrase for a moment here. And at the end of the verse he says, pray that I would make known the mystery of the gospel. He views his preaching ministry as a making known as a revelation, as a manifestation of something. It's a mystery, he says, a mystery that he calls the gospel. So, the second thing we can pray for when we think about praying for preaching, praying that God would give a message, and then praying that God would reveal the gospel in that preaching. Praying for a revelation of the gospel. That word mystery there conjures up all sorts of ideas in our minds, I suppose, of something mystical, something mysterious. But a mystery in biblical language is just something that had to be revealed. You could have never come to it on your own. That's what a mystery is in the New Testament language of the word. It's like when Jesus says to Simon Peter, Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father in heaven. You just uttered, Simon Peter, a mystery. That Christ, that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God. That is a mystery. It had to be revealed to you from God himself. And there's no way you could come on to that conclusion all by yourself. And so Paul calls the gospel a ministry, a mystery here, something that must be revealed by God. He knows that the proclamation of the gospel must be accompanied by the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit. The only way that God's word can come with power is if the Holy Spirit breathes upon that word right in the delivery of that word. You can be fluent in all the biblical languages. You can have more commentaries than a seminary library. You can have multiple PhDs and advanced training and homiletics. You can pour yourself into hours and hours of study. And when it's all said and done, it's what happens here in this moment in the delivery of the message which will, will either result in the message being born or stillborn. There must be the power of the Holy Spirit and the revelation of the mystery of the gospel. Of course, there is a connection to what happens in the study. But what happens there is absolutely dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And no no amount of polish or eloquence or experience can bring all of this together. It must be that the Holy Spirit shows up through the Word with power. If He doesn't show up, you might think the sermon's interesting... You might learn some new facts, but it's not going to change your life. And what we need is the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit, Him taking the Word of God, the mystery of the Gospel, taking the blinders off our own eyes, revealing to us the mystery of the Gospel. Paul says, pray for that. Pray that God would give me a message, and pray that as I give that message, he would reveal the mystery of the gospel to my hearers. Let's pray those things for Marcus. And then third, he says this twice, doesn't he? In the middle of verse 19 and down in verse 20, he prays for boldness. He says, and, as for, and for me, the utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly. And then at the end of verse 20, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So he says it twice. He wants wants to speak with boldness. Pray for me that I would have boldness. That is an amazing request from the Apostle Paul of all people. Paul? How could anybody be more bold than Paul? Paul? a man who was in labors more abundant and stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, and deaths oft, that man requests boldness? The preacher who testifies that of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, And journeyings often, and perils of water, and perils of robbers, and perils of my own countrymen, and perils by the heathen, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, and weariness and painfulness, and watchings often, and hunger and in thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness, that man needs to request boldness? And so do I. And so does Marcus. A preacher is called to be frank, to be fearless. There has to be a directness and a plainness to preaching if it's going to do any good. There really has to be a collision course with the conscience and with the will if preaching really is going to be wrought of the power of God. And nothing can get in the way of boldness, the boldness that is necessary for the proper proclamation of the word, like the fear of man. So you pray for your ministers. And you pray for our missionaries. That they would have boldness, courage to deliver the word of God fearlessly. Because at the end of the day, the preacher stands before an audience of one. He's an ambassador. An ambassador in bonds. And there is, at the end of verse 20, an oughtness about his ministry as a preacher. He speaks boldly as he ought. He has this directive. He has this commission from heaven. He labors to be faithful in that calling. He wants boldness and courage to rightly represent his sovereign before men. So pray for your ministers. Pray for Marcus to never lose sight of the fact that they preach before an audience of one Pray that they'll never get caught up in men-pleasing, applause-seeking ministry. Pray that they would have humble boldness in their preaching. Pray that they would preach directly to the heart and to the conscience and be fearless to do so. That's how to pray for preaching. Pray for a message. Pray for the revelation of the gospel. Pray for boldness. As we take on the financial responsibility of another missionary family this evening in God's will, let's commit to praying these things regularly for Marcus Reyes and his ministry, Preaching the Word in Orizaba, Mexico.